When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Let's get to it. Welcome into Thursday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska. Nebraska Lottery, a lot to talk about as the uh, parkas are out. The equipment truck has made its way. Nebraska off to Piscataway in the frozen Jersey Shore. Is that Devaney? No. <laughs> we don't have a call from the beyond. We'll get to the phones in a moment. Can join us today on Hail Varsity Radio. 466-3776-466-377-6800-825-5865. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Get us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. So, uh, Thomas Fedoni, tremendous get for Nebraska. His head coach at Lewis Central, Justin Camrad, going to be with us in 20 minutes. It is a Mike Babcock Thursday. Babbers will talk Nebraska. Babbers will talk recruiting classes and all things football and patience and Rutgers and all that goodness in 30 minutes. Gary Barnett in one hour. Brandon Vogel coming up next hour. I've been reading through the new Hale Varsity issue that's phenomenal and a great look at patience and production through the first three years of some pretty well-known coaches because that's been the point of ouchie, right? Nebraska, Scott Frost, three years, what's going on? Right? Why aren't they winning? Why aren't they winning sooner? And it's not that you're not winning. It's how bad you're looking when you lose and who you're losing to. That's frustrated a lot of fans. And then you have yesterday, Elijah, where you have a another top <laughs> top 25 recruiting class, 19 according to rivals. So you're getting talent. What are you doing with said talent? So a big discussion we can get into. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, will tell you who to bet on and who not to bet on. Bob, get us kicked off. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, Chris. What's up, man? Uh, well, i got a couple of things to say, if you don't mind here. Go for it. First of all, I'm originally from Sioux City, and so I want you to know that on Friday night I will, I will be listening to my Sioux City Musketeers hockey and not Nebraska football because Nebraska's going to lose 28-17 to on against Rutgers. And also, I believe that regardless of the reasons, I don't believe in situation ethics, and I don't believe Ohio State should be going bowling. They didn't meet the, they didn't meet the six six game requirement. I don't like changing the rules in the middle of the stream. They didn't, you know. They, they told Nebraska way at the beginning that Nebraska couldn't substitute a game. And, and but but I guess my bottom line is I've always been a person who is who is, is who bases my life on is it right or is it wrong. 
And so this whole nonsense about Ohio State sticks in my crawl. I hope they do nothing but lose. I get it that they're gonna, but you know, but, but when you when you when you allow yourself to make an exception over money, so the coverage can make money and that kind of thing, then I think you know that that's that that's ridiculous, and uh, I'm totally against it. Bob, appreciate you tuning in. I uh, appreciate your devotion to hockey. Uh, I, I believe you will flip over and check in on Nebraska. Well, I, I, I might do that during the intermission of the, of the hockey. Well, there's, 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 two, there's two times they're going to get the Zamboni out, Bob, and resurface the ice. Bob, you take care, man. Thanks for your, your phone call. Yeah. Thanks for your passion. Appreciate it. Bob's going to listen to his hockey. I interviewed for a gig in Sioux City once. For the hockey team? No, but it was baseball. <laughs> ah, yeah. Didn't was, get the gig. I uh, I don't know. I was a little weirded out by. I would have been staying with a. Uh, <laughs> this is way off the wall. I would have been staying with a host family. Mm-hmm. And I was, and this is this is probably ooh, twenty eighteen or twenty years ago. Okay, okay. but. <laughs> The, the the and I love the 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 GM at the time for baseball up there. He just said, "Yeah, the, the host. Fa- I got a host family that that would be happy to have you, but I just got to give you a heads up. They're, they're different. I'm like, well, different how? Do they have key parties? Uh, yeah, that yeah yeah they do. Key parties is a seventy term seventies term for swinging crowd." Ah, so I I just <laughs> sat down, had a nice chat, wonderful lunch, got in my uh, Cavalier and hauled ass back to Lincoln. <laughs> That's a true story. It's a true story about Sioux City. Not all of Sioux City, but I mean, God love Bob. But- Imagine you banging on the floors. I got a game in the morning. Not no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your words carefully, Elijah. What about there? <laughs> we are in the ditch already. So a lot to get into. Bob, thanks for calling. You can get in at 466-3776-800-825-5865. So I'm going to go here before we get back to Nebraska football because, quite honestly, this is more interesting to me than Nebraska Rutgers. And, and really, it, it just kind of comes down to, with Nebraska, are you going to man up and run the football or not? Okay? Are you going to allow your offense to get into any rhythm Friday at 6.30? Yes or no? Are you going to allow that offense to run the football, get lathered up, and do their thing? Or are you going to start throwing the football sideline to sideline in nine-degree weather with snow? It's going to be colder than it was last weekend. Nebraska didn't look ultra-interested. Honestly, <laughs> Minnesota looked like the uh, the old Tauntauns in Star Wars, man. They're, 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 they're breathing the weather in. They love cold, clearly. And it's not that Nebraska was like... 2019 soft in sub-zero weather. No, they were fine. But I just wonder what is going to happen with your game plan. wonder how your week of practice has been. How, how physical have you been? 
and it's a fair question, and the question I ask because your your equipment truck had to make the trip cross country. I assume you have two sets of pads. I hope you have two sets of pads, so you've been practicing hitting with pads leading into Rutgers. Don't know. No one sees it. But what are you going to do if you're Nebraska? Are you going to bring in some more pistol? Are you going to move in some more uh, play action and and quarterback movement? When did Adrian look his best last Saturday? When he was outside the pocket. Thank you. Right? And it wasn't close. No, it, it wasn't close. And Rutgers has what? Dudes that are good at tackling people for a loss. Rutgers' strength defensively is their defensive line. Rutgers' strength... As good as Gleason, their offensive coordinator's been, is Shiano in his defensive mind? Okay? So points are going to be low, right? Unders? Are we feeling unders for for Friday night? I'm feeling unders. Mm -hmm. So, to me, can you go pistol? Because that's when Nebraska looked their best running the football. We said it in the press box. We said it in the reaction show. Give me more pistol and let your guys, if it's going to be Wandale running the ball, if it's a hopefully a healthier Mills, let them run and cut back, right? Pistol's a great formation. It's a physical football, and you can still do your shotgun stuff, okay? But that's what tomorrow is. and We'll spend more time breaking down the game uh, as we're at gate 25 for pregame, 4 to 6 tomorrow, Roadshow Friday. But really, tomorrow's about shifting the narrative, eliminating some of the negative, a lot of bad taste and a lot of Nebraska fans' mouth, honestly, from last Saturday. Bob clearly is going to be uh, checking in on ice hockey during the Nebraska game. So... Get your guys into a good flow. Let them run the football, and and just go at it that way. Let you're going to need to be the tougher football team tomorrow night, physically and mentally, and go after it. You've got two young pups at tackle, and I know Ben Hart's started, so he's not really air quote young anymore, but he's gotten abused from time to time, and I think he'll be okay. I think he's a good ball player. But do what they can do on the ground. And I know they opened up against Purdue throwing the swing pass, and I know they opened up against Iowa with the swing pass, and that looked clean and crisp, and there was nice gains on first down. But I don't know how right your quarterback is throwing the football. I just, I just don't. If it's going to be Adrian, I don't know how right your quarterback is throwing the football. And even if it's a shotgun quick pass, your, your hit or miss going to the sideline or laterally throwing the football. You've not seen it. I mean, aside from the little pop pass, right? <laughs> um, you've not seen a lot of those little quick. And, and you, do have, you do have a touchdown uh, in the red zone uh, that, that, that Lever caught in you had the numbers there. But overall, man, I mean, run the football, get in, get out, and, and bundle up. I mean, physical, mental, run game, do it. The, the tried and true method in cold weather games uh, to, to find success is to be the tough team that can run the ball downhill effectively. Not running the ball side to side, it's running downhill, attacking the defense. And especially, you mentioned having a, a true freshman true freshman at left tackle and a redshirt freshman at right tackle. What I don't want to have is those two guys on islands against pass rushers with Adrian back in the pocket. No. No, you don't, that's the last thing I want. Nebraska's not going to win if they've got to 
throw the football more than like, I think 30's high, but that's pretty normal in this offense. You've got to change what your offense, what you what you want your offense to be, and your your dream or your vision. It needs to change at least for tomorrow night if you want to go out with a regular season victory to what you can do. Right? What can you do well? And that's kind of been the talk all week. That's been the search, identity. What's Nebraska good at? Can Nebraska run the football? Rutgers is going to probably put 37 people in the box, so it may not be great gains on first or second down, but it worked for Minnesota. It worked for Minnesota to hand off and run the football for two yards. Nebraska was great. I mean, it was second and eight, second and nine, second and 11. All day long, more often all than not. day long for Minnesota, and they kept with it. They only threw when they had to. They hit a couple of passes in the fourth quarter, and guess what? Those two-yard gains were big old busts because you've been body-punching the defense that played well enough to win. Borrow some of that from the boat rower and go <laughs> swallow your pride if that's what you're hung up on and just find a way to run the football. I mean, I think Nebraska wins this game if Adrian goes something in the, the the range of 16 for 22 for 150 yards passing, but then he adds another 75 yards rushing. That's where the Huskers are in a boat to win it. If you can get another 75 Dude, at Hendrick Mills. And one-two punch him. Give me some more Luke. And mm-hmm. I know Luke's not had that sterling of, of times behind center when, when he's come in since early in the year, right? throwing the football, but make it a one-two punch deal with some quarterback run. What we don't see much of is is a lot of the zone read. I mean, you'll have a quarterback carry the fake out, but I tell you, Elijah, and I'm not a football wizard, you know that. How many times did you see either Luke or or Adrian this year carry the fake out, Right. On the on the on the zone read give where the back will get a yard or two or the back will run sideways and they'll run eight yards sideways and gain two north and south. How many times have you stopped and said, "Man, if the quarterback would have kept that, he's gone for 20. Well, the problem is I'm not sure how many times in the zone read this year it's actually been the quarterback making the decision. A it's, lot of it's, times, it's, it's it, I don't I don't think it's been at all. It feels like it's just in the huddle. We're going to hand it off this time, or Adrian, you're going to keep it this time. But we're just going to go through the the motion of carrying out the fake. Yeah. Give me give me the uh, trust the, your quarterback. Give me the zone read option on it. Mm-hmm. Let let the quarterback make the call on on whether to keep or give. Maybe maybe that wrinkle make make that those pass rushers slow down just a half count trying to play their responsibility whether they're going to take the quarterback or crash down. So I, I meant to get into to Chip Kelly and his future at UCLA and who could be next. We'll get there with Gary Barnett uh, in a little less than an hour. But yeah, Saturday is, is important. Is it a meaningful game? Is really the question. And as bad as this season's been, and this season's been about development, and this season's been about fighting to play for all good reasons. You're playing football, you're getting the opportunity to get better. All those things are very true. Is it a meaningful game? And and I still say yes. In the grand scheme, national perception, no. Who cares? 
I mean, it's just Nebraska Rutgers. But as a Nebraska fan, if you're out there, you need, you want uh, something of a bounce back, a chance to turn it around, go out with a win. You know, uh, Brett McMurphy's put out his his most recent bowl projections today. And I don't care, due to opt-out or what. I mean, Kansas State, Virginia Tech, uh, UCLA, three, three more schools that have stepped forward and said, we're out, sorry, no thank you, we're not going bowling. So there's going to be a spot for Nebraska. Be a hell of a lot better for a three-win Nebraska to go bowling, even if it's against Texas San Antonio down in Frisco. No one's a, a, a winnable game anymore for Nebraska, the way they've been going. They've shown glimpses, but not consistency. But do everybody on offense a favor and put a run game together and put that plan into action tomorrow at kick. All right, uh, some thoughts on Thomas Fedoni from his head coach next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. More on uh, Nebraska Rutgers coming up. We'll get uh, Coach Gary Barnett's thoughts on the playoff weekend, the uh, football playoff, and how things will position for uh, the Power Fives. We welcome in head coach for Lewis Central in Sioux City, I should say in Council Bluffs. We were talking Sioux City last Uh, segment with with Bob's phone call. Uh, Justin uh, Camrad is with us, the head coach of Lewis Central in Council Bluffs. Coach, thanks for the time today. How are you? Doing good. How are you guys? Doing outstanding. Thanks for for jumping on and wanted to talk about Thomas Fedoni and uh, his commitment to Nebraska. And uh, Coach, uh, just a, a thought from you to start out, just just kind of the, the the progression you've seen from from Thomas and kind of his rise. If we could go back to to your coaching time with him and the player that the Thomas has become, and and kind of take us back to the starting point of of when Thomas joined your program and his progression. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think the biggest thing for us is that we get to see our kids really, really early on um, here at Lewis Central, and we knew a lot about Thomas. We watched him play um, in middle school football. Um, and just saw his, his progression development as an athlete, you know. And, and at that time, he was a quarterback and he was a running back. And, you know, he was probably one of the taller kids on the field and, and knew that he was going to be pretty special, didn't know where he would end up, you know. And, and we've had some pretty good players and knew that, you know, if he was going to continue to play a quarterback, he was going to have to wait quite a while before, um, before he would be able to step on the varsity field because, you know, Max Duggan was our quarterback at that time. Um, you know, and then as a freshman, obviously had a really good year. He had transitioned to to wide receiver for us. We we're just sort of trying to try to groom him to get him ready to to be able to play that position as well as playing you know outside linebacker. And then as a sophomore, um, you know he stepped on the field for us, um, playing our outside receiver, our you know our backside guy. And at that time, he was probably six three, uh, about one hundred and eighty pounds, and really long and really really skinny, but we but very athletic. Um, you know, and so for us, you know, he did a phenomenal job. Um, playing playing on that state semifinal team um, opposite uh, another good receiver for us, Jackson, currently at Iowa. Um, you know, had a great year. And then, you know, with Max Levin at quarterback, um, you know, he was able to learn the intricacies of playing wide receiver, what it was take to get open, what was truly open, um, how to really maximize, you know, his abilities as a wide receiver. And, and you know, that's where, the, that's where the process really started for him. And that's where we saw, you know, what he could truly do for us. And, and, um, you know, over the next two years, you know, he really transformed his body. Um, you know, obviously grew into the 6'6 and 225-pound frame that he currently is. And, 
and became more explosive and, and obviously a lot faster. And, you know, he spent tons of time, you know, in the offseason, especially, you know, during this last quarantine time of, of honing in his skills on, on route running and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it really showed this year. You know, he excelled in, in a situation where many times, you know, the teams were not going to allow him to, to get the football. And um, he had to beat double coverage. And sometimes he was the decoy guy. And, and some guys, times he was the guy blocking for the other receivers getting the ball. And so we asked a lot of him. He played multiple positions. You know, he played our outside receiver, our slot receiver, in the backfield for us because we had to get him open. And, you know, so from an overall standpoint, you know, Thomas, as a football player and athlete, you know, he has developed, you know, every step of the way, every year of the way, you know, and, and yeah, obviously we were here for the process to watch it all happen. Coach uh, Justin Camrad with us, uh, head coach Lewis Central, Thomas Fedoni, uh, signing with Nebraska yesterday, all world talent. So, Coach, was the work ethic always there to match the talent, or was it just pretty natural for him? And, the, you know, the, the peers around him and, and your guys' culture at, Lewis Central, and I think guys like Logan Jones and Max Duggan, I mean, guys that are really successful at high-level programs doing really nice things. So you got peers helping peers along. What what kind of step forward was it for, for Thomas? Was it just an in, insane work ethic to get where he's at, or was there always the natural talent, but the work ethic was able to match that? Yeah, you just hit it right on the head um, with with Thomas and really a lot of those guys that you mentioned before. Before um, the fact that he was ultra talented, talented, and we knew that, but he also had a lot of guys leading him and showing him exactly what it was going to take to get to the next level. Um, you know, those guys that you talked about were, were ultra competitive um, individuals, football players, great leaders that were always the, the first guy to leave or the last guy to leave. And I know that's cliche to say, but. They were your hardest workers, and, and he saw that, and he saw what happens when you put in that time and, and you believe in the process and you believe in the culture that we have um, to model and mimic, you know, what was happening in front of them. And, you know, it's just not, has been something that's been passed down for, for eight straight years almost for us. You know, we've, we've, had, we've had eight straight Division One football players here at Lewis Central and, and um, you know, has been passed down from, from one guy to the next, from one class to the next, that they, they understand – what it's going to take, and Thomas ran with it, and he knew what he wanted to do. He knew what he wanted to accomplish, and, you know, and he said it yesterday. You know, there's no shortness of confidence in his ability that he wants to be the best. Um, he doesn't just want to be the best in, at Lewis Central or in Council Plus or in the state of Iowa. He wants to be the best at Nebraska. He wants to be the best in, in the Big Ten, and that's what just continues to drive and motivate him, you know, every step of the way. And, you know, for us and, and for me personally, you know, he, he got so much energy and excitement about what he's doing is that I had to ask him to back off of some of the stuff because he, you know, there was times that he didn't need to go as hard. There was a couple times during the season he was dealing with two bad ankles and, and we wanted to limit some of the practice and he wanted to go. And, you know, they, he just has a motor that goes all the time. And, and you know, once he hones that in even more, he'd be that much better. Head coach of Lewis Central in uh, Council Bluffs, Justin Camrad with us. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio. We're talking about his player, Thomas Fedoni, obviously a huge get for Nebraska. And you just kind of laid out the, the importance of not only your best player being what he is uh, from a mentality standpoint, but your best player also being the hardest worker for that example to set. And, and I'm interested... Um, how his his skill set can be featured and fit 
from what you've seen from Nebraska, and overall, just what was the process like for you? I mean, you had the world of college football uh, on your front doorstep talking to you about Thomas, and it's not new for you because you've had a lot. You like you said, you've had a lot of other kids go D one. How did you help or assist uh, the recruiting process? Yeah, um, you know, you think of Thomas's skill set and what he does. Um, and what Nebraska is currently doing, what they're trying to do, you know, you can only speculate on, on where they're going to go based on what the coaches have done in the past and where they have been in the past and what they share with you as far as what their philosophy is going forward and what they feel they need to continue to improve upon. And um, I don't think there's any question that they want to feature a tight end. They want to use tight ends. Or, you know, they just took three in this recruiting class and have several other guys um, at that position that they really want to feature that and they understand maybe in the Big Ten that that's, that's a position of need. You talk about his skill set and what he, what he brings to it. You know, he has always been a true outside wide receiver force. Obviously a big outside receiver force and a mismatch problem. Um, you know, but this year, you know, with his ability to understand the game and, and understand route running, we were able to put him into the slot. And so, you know, Nebraska could obviously do that same thing as, as a bigger guy in the slot. He becomes a mismatch issue for some of those outside linebackers on strong safeties with his height. Um, you know, we brought him into the backfield as our H-back and brought him out of the backfield and motioned him and did some stuff and asked him to block as an inline tight end. You know, so he has done it all, and, and I think he has the ability to do all of those, which makes him very intriguing to be able to play multiple positions and excel at all of those positions. Um, it will truly just be on, on what Nebraska, how they truly want to feature him and, and utilize him. Do I see him as an outside guy? No, not predominantly, but he can definitely flex out there as a tight end to do that. Um, you know, so he definitely has a lot of upside to bring to Nebraska. He's not just a down tight end that's mm-hmm. in the run game blocking. So, you know, and then you, obviously you talk about the recruiting aspect of it. It's obviously, um, once again, I think it's a, a tribute to all the guys that come before that many of these big schools recognize that we're able to develop some football players, that they will keep coming back and, and recognize the talent that we have. Um, you know, so it's really not new for us. It's great because it continues to bring coaches to our front door and get some of our younger kids, which, you know, in our next class we have another, another kid that has five Division one offers. And so, you know, it brings coaches in to see some of those guys um, to play as well. And so, you know, obviously it's great for us, great as a school, great as a community to be on the south side of Council Plus, be a smaller school, you know, producing the type of kids and athletes um, that, that we've had. Coach Justin Camrad with us here on Hale Varsity Radio is the coach of Thomas Fedoni, uh, Huskers' top signee from this 2021 class. Uh, and coach, with a guy like Thomas, uh, just an, uh, an all-world talent pretty much uh, at his age, um, he, he kind of steps into a role uh, similar to what Wandale Robinson stepped into when he came to Nebraska, where he kind of instantly becomes a, a brand ambassador for the football program. So off the field, I know Husker fans know what Thomas Fedoni brings on the field, but off the field, what kind of guy is Thomas? Yeah, he's just one of those guys. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely not one of those vocal leaders, but he plays with passion. He plays with energy. Um, you know, he obviously wants to get after it and do that kind of stuff. Very confident individual. You know, he does all the things that you ask from him as a coach. You know, you want him, you want him to be on time and place. You want him to, to, to show up and, and show the younger guys what type of work ethic it's going to take to be successful. Um, you know, and then obviously in the classroom, you know, obviously excels in the cl- classroom, does exactly what he needs to do. You know, he was an all-district academic guy um, for us this year, so he gets it, gets it done in the classroom as he does on the field. And, you know, then in, then in the school, obviously many kids respect him and, and value him and, and things like that. So, you know, very well respected amongst all the peers as well. 
Justin Cameron's with us, uh, Lewis Central head coach, Council Bluffs, Thomas Fedoni. Coach, uh, about a minute and a half left or so. And just overall, how did you keep your kids motivated during this crazy COVID season? Just from a coaching standpoint, how were you able to connect and, and, and keep uh, things positive? <laughs> you know, that's the that's, that's number one question. Um, and I think it was just instilling hope in these guys, especially for our senior class and, and Thomas like that is, you know, our kids, our kids thrive. They love the game of football. You know, we, we put a lot of emphasis in that and just instilled hope that we were going to get the opportunity to be able to play um, this year and, and kept them motivated that way. We were able to, to find a gym for um, not our entire team, but a lot, majority of our team to be able to get together during the quarantine time. Um, a local gym here in town that the kids all went to and they trained together. And so that was something that was, was pretty positive, I think, that, that kept our kids in the mindset of the game until we were able to meet up with them in July. That was the first time that we really got our kids from, from March to July. We really never saw them, and we weren't able to do anything. And so we, we had meet weekly and biweekly Zoom meetings as a football team and just try to talk about you know what we want to do, what we wanted to accomplish. And so try to stay in contact with those kids as much as possible, get them together as much as possible um, and things like that. And obviously it worked out in our favor. We were ready to go by, by July and we were ready to get back to football and see each other. And, you know, I'm just obviously extremely proud and, and grateful that we're able to get through the season we did. And, and obviously for Thomas himself to have the season that he did as well. Coach Justin Camrad, uh, Lewis Central head coach, uh, tremendous program there in Council Bluffs and big time talent, Thomas Fedoni, Max Duggan, and uh, Logan Jones. Coach, it was great to chat with you. Thanks for the insight today. Always appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on, and uh, best of luck with everything. All right. Take care. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! 25 minutes away, Gary Barnett going to be with us, and uh, good stuff uh, in the most recent Hale Varsity magazine issue, 8553-HuskerHaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, bundle it, get the magazine, get the digital incredible work by uh, Mike Babcock, Brandon Vogel, Aaron Sorensen, of course, uh, Jacob Padilla, Derek Peterson, Greg Smith, awesome stuff, the photography's killer, but the articles are just uh, second to none. We bring in Mike Babcock, uh, 40 years plus of Nebraska excellence when it comes to Husker coverage at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how you feeling about Friday? Good to spend some time with you. Well, you know, Elijah and I were just talking. Nebraska's a favorite, is that right? Yeah, the last thing six, I saw. Six and a half, seven. I mean, it's been between five and a half to, to seven points. That's the spectrum. That seems to me to be a bit extreme. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they're thinking is like, the up and down, so yeah, now, now they're up and then they're down, and now they're going to be up again. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Rutgers is they're three and five. They just won on a last second field goal. I don't know that Noah Vedral's going to play because of his ankle. All right, yeah, they got dinged yeah. against Maryland, so it's going to be Art, uh, the, the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Art, that's good. <laughs> we'll call him Art, uh, but you know. They need something good here, and and I'm just. Do you think Nebraska is being stubborn on offense, or they're just this is what we think we do best? I'm I'm talking as the uh, 
the uh, the inner narrative of a, of a Nebraska coach. Well, this is what we do best, or this is what we've shown best. So, this is how we're going to script it. I mean, that that's kind of the tug of war I've had all week. You know, after the Minnesota game, if I'm looking at this and you come out throwing in that weather and you don't try and establish the run game, and does Nebraska not want to run it, or does Nebraska want to? Just win a certain way. I guess that's my question. It's a loaded question. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but they need to be able to run the football tomorrow at 6:30. I, I agree, and I'm perplexed because I don't. You've got to be able to line up and run the football, and I thought that that was part of the part of the idea with some tempo to keep the defense off balance and to you know a tempo and you establish a run. To, to help with the pass. And it, you know, I haven't seen consistency in a Nebraska in, in Nebraska's offense this year. I mean, I don't what what does Nebraska do well? I don't there's nothing that Nebraska does well consistently. I mean, when when uh, Martinez or when McCaffrey ran, you know, a lot of times it it just looks like they take off and run. It's not a it's not like it's a designed run or whatever. And uh I think you've got to have an offensive identity, and I think that identity needs to be uh, run the ball first, establish the run. But, you know, you haven't had with with Mills um, not available Mm -hmm. for some of those games. I guess guess that's part of the problem. Um, You know, having somebody that you can rely on in the run game um, other than just the quarterback. Um, But, you know, and, and they've got talented uh, young running backs, but we haven't seen anybody step in there and be consistent because I guess there's been injuries or whatever. Um, but yeah, that offensive identity—it's um, it's really perplexing to me why Nebraska has not been able to, with a veteran offensive line, why it hasn't been able to line up and run the ball, uh, establish a running game. Uh, again, with tempo, I know you know Scott Frost has said that you know part of that is that the young guys you don't want the defense on the field too much and so forth. But um, that just seems to be not a good explanation of why they why they, why they don't run tempo and why they don't establish a run game. Mike Babcock's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Babbers. Got a, about three and a half minutes. Let's flip it around. So the one thing Nebraska has been able to do from an identity standpoint is go get certain body types on the line of scrimmage. They've done well there. They've gotten highly ranked recruiting classes, and you've seen some guys get developed on the defensive lines where I'm thinking. You see a high-level talent in Wandale Robinson, of course, make plays when they can get him the football. But, I mean, Nebraska seems to be doing well and getting guys and kind of a more regional flavor, partially due to COVID, partially maybe Nebraska just liked some of the talent um, acquisition opportunities within this 500-mile radius or less. You know, what's your takeaway from yesterday? Well, you know, I like the uh, interview that you did with uh, Teddy Prohaska. Okay. I, I like Prohaska, and there's a guy, you know, he said that he could, that they they look at him and, and project that he could play it. 325 pounds. I mean, that's um, you're, you're getting some big guys up front, and uh, and yeah, we're going to find out one of those uh, highly talented guys. Uh, Corcoran is apparently yep. going to get the start yes. because Hymas opted out of the game. So um, and and you've got uh, uh, Banks as a backup. 
another uh, talented young guy. They, they've got young guy Ben Hart has learned on the fly. Um, I, I just feel like they're getting the guys, but again, it has to come together, and you have to have some kind of offensive identity. Are these the pieces for that offensive identity, and and how quickly can that be established? But yeah, you're 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 exactly right. I mean, I think they've recruited pretty well, and I I like the fact that the five of those uh, nineteen uh, guys that they signed uh, yesterday were um, were Nebraska mm-hmm. kids. I also like the fact that eleven of the nineteen indicated that they plan to enroll early. Um, you know that's a that's a benefit, obviously, if they have the opportunity. If 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 spring football exists the way we way it used to um, in, in 2021, um, that's definitely a benefit. So they're recruiting in the right direction, but but again, you have to have a commitment to something, and I just haven't seen that consistently. Mike, just to follow that question up, it might be a little early to ask this because we still have one game left to play in the 2020 season, but we're about to get into those weeks where we're going to start getting the, the storylines of this offseason set up for us, what, the, the stories we're going to be hearing all throughout the, uh, the spring and the summer. Um, but my, my question is, is, is what position groups do you think uh, some guys, uh, some younger guys, are going to have to step up in next season? Um, I know it's a little early because we don't even know who's going to be coming back next season, the, the seniors, um, but just... Where are you looking uh, at this game tomorrow to see some young guys stepping up for the upcoming season in 2021? Well, there's been a lot of talk about young guys at wide receiver, but, you know, we haven't seen a lot of consistency there. And I, th- I think, you know, uh, it, with a healthy Milton, if he comes back, um, you've still got those young running backs behind him. I think there's got to be a step up there. Um, I'm looking at offense right now, but I, I think those are two areas that are really important, obviously. Um, to go with the with this offensive line that's going to develop, and you're going to have uh, get that offensive identity. But to do that, you have to have some. You've got to have some receivers step up, and that's been one of the things. It's been all pretty much Wandale. Um, you got to get some, uh, and and Austin Allen, I thought, has, mm, has been, been pretty good. And of course, Stoll was injured, but um, yeah, that receiver I think is an is an area that you got to have young guys step up and. Same way at running back. Mike Babcock with us, uh, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Read him with Hale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, great chat. We'll uh, see how things shake out tomorrow night. Thanks for the time today. It'll be interesting. You guys stay safe. <laughs> you too, Babbers. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. He is no doubt on top of that. It will be interesting. We'll be at Gate 25 Roadshow Friday. We'll wind down hour one. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, 10 minutes away, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke with Burke's Best Bets. Yeah, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Reminder that over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involve an impaired driver, drunk driving, buzzed or high driving, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop more from uh, making the same mistake, either killing or injuring someone. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll dive into this with Coach Barnett but uh, and, and Brandon Vogel. His 
feature in the magazine about that that year three and and that's part of the the frustration for nebraska fans all right this was supposed to happen in year three many thought and you had the hype in year two you had the finish in year one and your momentum is like uh, my dad's old snapper mower uh, once in a while it'd mow great other times that bastard had never start You'd have to prime it and prime it and prime it and then pull on the uh, the ripcord and eventually go borrow the neighbors for a fee. So you look at some coaches here that took over brutal doormat programs. Bill McCartney, Colorado was horrific, 7-25-1 and 25 and one. his first three years at Colorado. Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech. 11-21-1. Bill Snyder, Kansas State, 13-20. and 20. Uh, Barry Alvarez, 11-22. Kirk Ferentz, 11-24. Scott Frost, 11-20. Now, year four, year five, year six, the Buffs went 20-15. and 15. Beamer was still 13-19-1. Bill Snyder flipped it around, had almost a 68% winning percentage. Barry Alvarez won nearly 70% of the time. And then when Iowa got going, they were at an 82% win clip, 31-7. and In uh, the one-score games, you have Ference in his first three years at 4-11, and Frost at 4-12. and So I ask you this. Is Nebraska's program anywhere near right now with with what Frost took over, what those other guys took over? And I can't say with a straight face that Nebraska, even during the Riley era, was as bad as as what what, what Gary Barnett's take on this because he was there. He got hired in '84, but he was there with Colorado with uh, the, the resurrection. Frank, Virginia Tech was no good. Kansas State, they wanted pe- people wanted them to drop football. All right? Iowa was just so far, far, far away from, from what they, they were, right? I mean, they were, they were nine years removed from a Rose Bowl. I mean, they, they went... One and eleven, or one and ten, one year. I think it was Ferentz's first year. It'll be interesting to get uh, Gary Burnett's thoughts on this. I just, where is the program at when Scott took over? I mean, because you hear it's going to be a, a a rebuild, right? And Moose says, Judge, year five, not year three. But you're just not seeing. And I also want to know: Do you adapt to the talent you have, or do you you slam your system in? Right? What's what's the right choice? Hour two on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska. Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the coach, Hall of Famer with Northwestern, 
in Colorado, Gary Barnett with his coach. It's a little warmer here today. We got about 36 degrees or so. Are you uh, envious? Uh, not a bit, Chris. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, it's nice here, and I sort of like it that way. I, I bet you do. How'd you, how'd you handle the oh, – you did it remote last weekend. Did you do the game remote, or were you in Boulder for the, uh, the snow fest? No, we did. We've done everything remote, other than the very first game, uh, okay. which I went back to Boulder for. But no, we do the visiting uh, or the away games, and now I do the home games remotely as well. So, but as you know, we're finished, other than the bowl game. So, but you know what? It, it's okay. It's it's okay. I think it's better for the play-by-play guy than it is for me, mm-hmm. because I watch the sideline and I watch discussions going on and I watch stuff like that, but uh, I can't see it when I'm on the remote broadcast. Well, it's been an incredibly trying year for, for so many, and yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure it was interesting and, and a tough one for Colorado. I want to, before we dive into to kind of where we're at with Nebraska and the year three topic that's upon us this week, uh, interested in your reaction to football scoop and, and you have Martin uh, Jarmond uh, that just came out of the AD for, for UCLA kind of shooting down the football scoop story that reported that the Chip Kelly may not be brought back in UCLA because of the connection with UCLA's AD and Urban Meyer. Uh, they may be going that direction. There's, there's zero uh, truth is the words used by the athletic director. When I sent that that story to you, what was your reaction? Could you see or could you have seen Urban going to UCLA? No. I, I couldn't see Urban going to UCLA. Um, I, I, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, all this stuff flying around mm-hmm. is crazy, but um, you know, you know, there's a lot of places Urban would go. Uh, if Urban were to get back in, I think UCLA might be the last place that he would go to. So, uh, but who knows? You know, I've been wrong as many times as I've been right. So, uh, but and I don't know Urban really well, but mm-hmm. I do know that football scene and I know the issues, and I just don't see that happening. UCLA's tough because I mean, it's it's a it is. Beautiful as the campus is and as expensive as tuition is, it's still a public university. You can't pay assistance like USC or some of the other schools on the coast, correct? Well, the, the, the thing about UCLA is it's a great head coach's job and a very poor assistant coach's job because gotcha. you live an hour away at least – um, it's so hard on assistance. And, I, you know, I was involved with that job in, in the 90s, and, and I looked into it, and I saw all the ins and outs of it. But uh, as a head coach, it's a pretty good job. But assistant coaches just have a tough time living there and existing and being happy. And then the other thing about UCLA that most people don't understand is it's, it may be, well, it's the second hardest school to get into in the Pac-12. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, it, it really is not far behind Stanford as far as admission standards. And it's, it, it's difficult for, for those kids. Mm-hmm. And um, that just makes the job a little bit, 
I think less attractive and a little bit harder as well. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, I sent you a, a snippet from our, our Hale Varsity issue. Uh, Brandon Vogel uh, wrote about uh, the uh, the rebuild and Bill McCartney's list, his name is on this list, Frank Beamer, Bill Snyder, Barry Alvarez, Kirk Ferentz, and their, their records similar or, or worse than Scott Frost's record after three years. There's still a game to play. There's still maybe a bowl game to, bl- to play, but from a winning percentage standpoint. And, and then, the, you know, year four, five, and six and beyond, things took off in a lot of cases uh, except for Frank Beamer, but Beamer built a, a great career. And I'm interested in your take right now on, on what you see with Nebraska. And Nebraska's problem has been they've moved on from people. They've moved on from successful people uh, with nine or ten wins, and, and they've also moved on from people in a, in a short snippet, three, four, five years. I mean, there's always been constant turnover. That's That's no good. Where do you see Nebraska's program at right now? Is Nebraska's program – at the same starting point as some of these previous schools, I don't think they—I don't think it was as, as up and down as Nebraska's been. They weren't Kansas State of the '80s. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And, and I think the biggest problem is that the the recruiting landscape has changed so much. Okay. Uh, you know, in the '70s, '80s, '90s, it was pretty much the same recruiting landscape. But it's changed so much right now, Chris, that it's, uh, it's, it's made it more difficult for Nebraska. It's made it more difficult for the non-urban schools. Mm-hmm. It's made it that, that aren't surrounded by a, um, a, a recruiting network and a recruiting area that, that you're going to be able to use and, and uh, take advantage of. You know, Nebraska's not in a great recruiting area. Uh, and, you know, Colorado's the same way. You know, there's a number of schools that, because the landscape's changed, they no longer have the advantage, uh, or are they on the same level as everybody else like they used to be? And uh, you gotta you gotta figure that piece of it out. You gotta work around it. You gotta you know somehow kind find a way to counteract all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different job now than those jobs that you were talking about were. So, uh, and Scott's got to figure that out. He really does. And his assistants have to figure that out. You know, one of the toughest things is, is assistant coaches now are paid so much money that they become hired guns. And so you, you can't keep the same set of assistant coaches uh, and create a recruiting network or recruiting a system where you know people are familiar with the coaches that you send out there, and they know they've been watching a kid since he was a sophomore or a freshman, and that sort of stuff. So it's just different, and you know I think, like I said, Scott's got to figure that out, and his assistants and the AD have to figure that out. It's solvable. There's no question about it. It's solvable, um, but. You know, being from afar, you're, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I think the biggest piece you got to figure out is the recruiting piece. Well, the, Frost has recruited, uh, when you look at it on paper numbers, and I know that doesn't always translate, but, I mean, Nebraska's had top 25, top 20, 19th, if you go by rivals, recruiting class yesterday. So they've recruited at a high level. They've not retained uh, some of these kids 
uh, they, they've left and uh, pretty far away from home. A lot of the Florida kids have went back that direction. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, a thought with you. What was your blueprint when it came to hiring? And I ask that because I know Hankowitz yeah. is retiring. When you took your first right. head job, did you go get the best guy? Did you go get guys you trusted and knew? And part of that kind of factors in with Nebraska as well because everybody from Central Florida came with them. And they, a lot of them have, have not been in, in Power 5 leagues before. Okay, so, you know, what's, what's their, their learning curve like? Um, that, that's a question that floats out there. How did you go about it when you put your first staff together? Yeah, let me go back and touch on just a minute the, what you were talking about, kids leaving. Yeah. You know, this year with all your recruiting being done uh, virtually, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have more people Chris, next year going in the transfer portal than you can even imagine. Sure. Because these kids don't come on campus. They don't get to know anybody on campus. Mm-hmm. They, you know, what they see is what they see on a Zoom call. So you're going to have people go, whoa, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> so, I mean, the portal's going to be jammed next year. Answering your question about who I hired, um, you know, one, I wanted somebody that fit our staff and fit our community. And that's not easy to always do. Um, I, I think that when, um, you know, maybe they're not ready. They're, they haven't been upper-level Division One guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that always makes a difference. Because okay. you, you want to hire somebody you trust. Uh, but you also don't want yes men. I always wanted somebody who would stand up to me, give me an alternative idea, give me a fresh idea, uh, and would be strong about it. Uh, the last thing you want on the staff is eight or nine guys who agree with everything you say. You're heading down a bad road if that happens. So it's sort of complex, and it's a combination of one, a fit, two guys that uh, are confident in what they do and they're willing to stand up to you, and then three guys that can recruit. Um, and, you know, sometimes like in Mike Hankowitz's case, you, you brought him up. Mike didn't like recruiting. He wasn't a great recruiter, but he was a heck of a coach. And, uh, you, you know, I knew what Mike could do, and so I didn't hesitate in hiring him as a coordinator. Um, but you also got to hire guys that are, can go out and are eager to go out and recruit. So it's you know it's a it's a balance that you have to have in that staff. Who who is the the best guy you've worked with that stood up to you? Well, hopefully every one of them. You know, Mike Hankowitz would stand up to me. Um, uh, was it delicate, or was know, it one it, of these "you're absolutely crazy" conversations? How does that go? Well, it just goes, Coach, you're you're wrong. <laughs> and I said, well, tell me where I'm wrong. But but truthfully, you know, I don't know that I ever had a guy that just would always agree with me. Chris Wilson, defensive line coach, the enemy, yeah. uh, wouldn't agree with me. John Embry wouldn't agree with me. Um, you know, it was one right after the other, and that's the way I wanted them because – you know, who, who says I'm the right guy? <laughs> who says I have all the right answers? So it was, it made it interesting. It really did. But when we left those rooms, we were arm in arm. 
that's that's so key. You know, you've got to be able to check it at the door, and it's not personal. It's about the bigger picture, right? Yeah, you know, I had a guy that was a great secondary coach for me, coached for a lot of guys, Tom McMahon. And Tom, and Craig Bray, secondary coach, the same way. You know, they tell you just the way they think, and if they disagree with you, then coach, you're probably wrong, and I'm right. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes it fun. Do you see Fitz going anywhere? I ask that because his AD is off to the ACC to lead the league there. And Hank yeah. Hankowitz is retiring. If that Bears job opens up, is that a hard look for Coach Fitz? I think it is. I think it's a hard look. I think it's something he has to do. I mean, I, I think of all the jobs that would open up that would ever uh, maybe compel him to look at it, that would be the one. Uh, because he virtually can stay right where he is and mm-hmm. keep his kids right where he wants to and uh, where they are now. And uh, his family, you know, doesn't have to go uh, make a major change. And so I would see that as being something that he might want to do. And for all the reasons, you know, Northwestern's a complex, comp- complicated, tough job. And uh, there's times when you go, I just want to coach football. I just want to, that's all I want to do. I don't want to do all this other stuff. So all of us, all of us fell victim to those thoughts. And I think if there was ever one that would, that this would be one that it might have, might, it could happen. And you lose Jim Phillips, who was an ally and a friend and, you know, a great, a great at doing his job. And uh, you lose Hank. Uh, and so, you know, why wouldn't it be somewhat appealing to 99% of the population? Coach, rapid fire. Got about 90 seconds. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, the 10 and a half. Do you like Clemson? I like Clemson. I do. I don't think you can beat anybody twice, and I don't think you could ever beat Clemson twice. So I like Clemson all the way. Iowa State, Oklahoma, OU minus five and a half. Same thing? Toughest one. That's the toughest one out there. Again, it's hard to beat anybody twice. Uh, I think Oklahoma probably wins this game, although I don't like the spread. So, Nebraska minus seven at Rutgers. <laughs> well, it should be a great game, right? I mean, you can't <laughs> I'm putting, find two, I'm putting two mamas. <laughs> I'm putting mamas shopping fun on Rutgers tomorrow. <laughs> I know. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a great game in that everything's pretty much equal. And you're playing at Rutgers. Uh, Greg Schiano, I think, is the edge there. I got to tell you, I think it'll be tough for Nebraska to win there. I don't d- disagree with you. Uh, we'll leave it to Northwestern, Ohio State, minus 20 Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, there's uh, Northwestern just, uh, unless somehow they find some way to move the ball. I just don't think that's a good matchup for them. Uh, you know, I think 20 is about right. Florida, Bama, minus 17, tied. No no stinking way that can Florida win that game. So, Do you ever, you ever have a kid throw a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I heard, a great, I heard someone say the other day, he says, you know, the guy from Florida who threw the shoe had as many attempted passes as the Army quarterback last week against Navy. <laughs> he threw it one time. That's good. That's so funny. So, no, I haven't anybody throw a shoe. No. And I would. I, he, he should have been penalized, and I think the officials stood up and did the right thing. Gary Barnett. Coach, you have a good weekend. Thanks for the time today. 
Thanks, Chris. Great being with you. All right. There he is. Gary Barnett with us. Covered a lot of ground there. Brandon Vogel up next from Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A lot of stuff covered with Gary Barnett. Get that on demand. ESPN Lincoln. Dot com the podcast he is on with our friends heard at uh, media network hailvarsity.com espnlincoln.com and uh, google play spotify give us a review on itunes and uh, give us a ranking we'll take it uh, four star now that just got bumped up to a five star with uh, his own podcast Brandon Vogel with us, the I-80 podcast, of course, managing editor with com and author with a guy who's won some championships, John Cook, the book Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, we're just going to keep adding to the intro because you're doing it all, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. I'm trying to figure out if Nebraska will willingly run the football tomorrow. Can you help me with that? <laughs> Uh, depends on if the snow that is falling on the East Coast is still blowing around, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> we haven't seen a ton of those. I mean, you think back even to that to that Michigan State game in 2018. Right. Uh, and Nebraska still tried to kind of do what it wants to do. <laughs> so it, it, it takes quite a bit to just uh, – to just get the Huskers into, yeah, we're just going to hand it off and, and see what happens. So, so it may take a nor'easter. Uh, <laughs> it may, yeah, I think it, I think it may take an active nor'easter. If you're just in the aftermath of one, uh, it still it still might look pretty much like what we've seen Nebraska football look like from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. Oh, and that can be hit or miss, right? And, and you've had a couple right. of features in the magazine. And right now, you're still buying stock in Nebraska. You're still pretty confident with Nebraska, with Coach Frost, with the direction. And and that's and there there has been some good, right? And it kind of comes down to patience, and that's not handed out a lot in the great state of Nebraska because you want your football team to be good and you want it now. I get it, but you're still you you are still pretty confident. And did, did yesterday kind of help bolster that with another good recruiting class? Yeah, it, it, it didn't hurt. Uh, I, I think bigger picture, you know, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I'm probably more confident than it seems the, the general, general perception has become of late. Like, Nebraska should be, should be further ahead. Like, I think, I think everyone agrees right. on that. It's just that uh, how far does that put them behind? And, and when I look at it, like – I don't get super annoyed when coaches and, and players come up and say, oh, you know, it's, it's four or five plays. Like, we're really close. Like, if we do better on those, those four or five game deciding plays, because that's kind of what I see. And I'm talking about, you know, particularly from a, a statistical standpoint, that's kind of what I see too. Um, it's, you know, being excellent on, say, six plays to get you down into the red zone and then not being right in the red zone or, or being really good on three, four plays on a drive, but you end up in a third down and, and not being great on third down. So go into all of that pretty in depth in uh, the December issue of, of Hale varsity. 
just kind of, you know, I set out not really knowing what we'd find there, just knowing, man, it's, it feels like a little bit of a, a turning point for the future of this program. What is actually there when you look at where this program's at at the end of three seasons or close to the end of three seasons? And that's kind of what I found. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brendan, when you look at the, the past three years in Nebraska football, I feel like the lessons that Scott Frost has learned has been manifested within the guys he signed in that recruiting class yesterday. It just seems like he's kind of found a different mold of, of guy than, a, than the guy he was looking for when he first came in here at Nebraska. And I see guys that can, that can fill holes, and that, that's all on paper, and I guess we'll see how they turn out once they actually get into the program. But Brendan, in, in a weird COVID year like this, are you concerned about attrition in this class of 2021? Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Uh, it, it, it's always been an issue for for Nebraska, just with how nationally they have to recruit. And I think particularly at a time where you know you're not going, uh, you're not winning nine games, you're not winning ten games. Like that's kind of easy for it to to feel pretty fun and uh, want to be a part of that when you're still trying to build things and you're going four wins or five wins or in a year like this where you play eight games, maybe two or three wins like that, that adds to it. But anytime you have to pull players, which Nebraska is always going to have to do from California, Florida, Texas, places that are pretty far away from Nebraska. I think you, you are always kind of trying to, to outrun attrition a little bit just because, you know, it, it, it's hard. Like, I mean, Nebraska is a great place. Lincoln has become a, a greater place to be. I think if you're a young person, which is all it has to offer over the past 10 or 12 years, but it's still, like, you know, if the playing time's not there and maybe things aren't going your way, or maybe you just perceive it that way. Uh, it, and really, and also just the era of the transfer portal like it becomes pretty easy to say, yeah, I want something else. I want something that feels closer to, to what I'm used to. So we'll see with that. Um, you know, as far as the, the recruiting class, I think the interesting thing about this, this 2021 group was, and, you know, we saw it flip pretty quickly with just the size. And I know Coach Frost talked about that yesterday, the size they wanted on the offensive line. You're seeing that sort of in the skill positions a little bit too, particularly a receiver. I think all three of the guys that they brought in in that category are 6'3 or taller, um, brought in three tight ends. So you're starting to see them, I think, adapt a little bit to what they've learned they need in the Big Ten uh, after three seasons. Vogues, I want to get into your look at programs that really started slow and – it, it took a while to get going. You looked at the Buffs in Colorado and Beamer and Von Tech and Bill Snyder and Barry Alvarez and Kirk Ferentz. And Scott's done better than them in some instances, is, has done worse than them in, in other instances. And they're all clearly under 500, some pretty much mirroring Nebraska and Scott in one-score games. But the programs really started to turn the corner in year four. You got a different um, storybook, a different for- fairy tale now. With and thank you, Bob Stoops, right? In, in year two, winning a national championship. <laughs> thank you, Urban Meyer, uh, winning a title. Thank you, 
Uh, where else am I going? Pete Carroll. I mean, go down the list of, of guys that just killed it in year two. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Mac Brown. I mean, Les Miles. They all killed it uh, with their kind of signature stops. Where do you put Nebraska at in comparison to some of those other programs that are similar with that win-loss record through three years? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating discussion and kind of where that started from. I was just like, are there examples of coaches uh, who have, who have started kind of this, this slowly, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. And and you have to go back a ways. You, you have to go back to um, those guys that you mentioned, you know, Kirk Ferentz was, basically there. I think he won exactly 11 games mm-hmm. through his first three seasons at Iowa. Um, Barry Alvarez was there. Bill Snyder was there. <clears throat> Frank Beamer, it took him even, you know, I think three years beyond that to kind of get Virginia Tech up and running. So it, it, it wasn't to say that Nebraska is this. It's to show that, yeah, there are some examples are, but, but you have to go you know, you almost have to go back a, a generation back because, as you mentioned, the 2000s became the year where success like happened quickly or didn't happen at all. From from 2000, I think, yeah, from from that Stoops title on, every coach that won a national title was either in his first four years there, um, from 2000 to 2010, or was a repeat repeat winner like Urban Meyer at Florida. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of sped up, I think, the time frame for what became natural to expect. And the other thing is, is, you know, how similar is Nebraska in 2018 to Wisconsin in 1990? And, and then that's, that's the other part. You know, Nebraska has, I guess, more success in its history certainly than the Badgers did at that point, definitely more than Kansas State. I mean, that Kansas State program that Bill Snyder took over was maybe the worst Power Five, what we consider now a Power Five team uh, in the country. Like, it had been to one bowl game, and it had it was the only program with a sub-400 winning percentage. So that, that's the other thing, too, is, is kind of wrestling with where's Nebraska, where was Nebraska actually at in, in 2018, but, you know, having come this far into it, we've kind of seen that if, if Nebraska is going to get back to where it wants to get back to, it's going to have to be old school. It's going to have to be from basically a generation ago in, in the coaching world because if it were going to be the Stoops, the Urban Meyer, the, the Nick Saban, Les Miles model, it would have already happened. So none of it's a guarantee that, that things – get turned around, but, um, you know, I still see, and I understand for those people where they don't see it yet, I still see enough moderate progress to think, okay, well, things are getting better. It's just happening more slowly than most people would want. Vogues, I got about a minute and a half. The major difference, too, is proximity to talent or inherited talent, and Urban and Mac and Pete and Chizik and Saban. I mean, they they they, uh, they just needed to to put some gas in uh, in the Ferrari. I think, and, and that's that's very 
fair, in my opinion. They they walked into some things that just needed to be straightened out. I mean, it was it was it was still a half million dollar house. <laughs> All right, you just need to change the carpet a little bit and put some paint on. I got about thirty seconds. Your feel for tomorrow. How do you feel about Nebraska? They get a win or another tough loss? Yeah, um, like you know, I'm about to eat up. I, I think you could almost say the same thing about UCF um, yeah, on the yeah. scale that it, it it was it was at. But you know, tomorrow it's it's a really interesting test for Nebraska because nothing about this game is fun. Like it's it's a point of pride, and you got to go out there and win it. I, I like Nebraska in the game. I think they've got uh, well, they've certainly got a little bit of edge just in how well they've played the majority of the time, even though it hasn't resulted in some wins, but. It's, it's a test of want to. It's not about talent or anything like that. Um, it's about how much do you want to be here and can you go out and perform in, in circumstances that are pretty tough. And in that way, it kind of feels like the perfect test at the end of this season for the Huskers. Love it. Vogues, you take care. Thanks for the time. Thank you. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's time to check in with the pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us, hosts his own show on Sirius XM Rush Hour and uh, over 100 radio stations with uh, VEASAN at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, are you keeping warm? Are your picks hot? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, you know. Yeah, we're coming off a nice week for the NFL this past week, and uh, I didn't release any official ones for college football this past week, but the ones that I do play, like I always talk about, we have a, a panel that goes head-to-head with five picks. I went three and two in those, so uh, we're doing pretty well with college and looking to keep it rolling with all the big action this weekend. You know, three and two is much better than two and five, and we'll just leave that one sit right there. It's Nebraska, it's Rutgers, and it's a uh, primetime ball game in Piscataway, man. <laughs> How you feeling about this with the Big Red? I know that number's gone from five and a half to seven has it dropped down what's vegas say what are your what do you what do you say i mean uh, can you i can't trust nebraska i think they can win friday i don't i don't know that i'd believe they can cover anything or anybody they may come out and, and play well who knows man it's been all all over the map with this team you nailed it. I mean, I think for the past three weeks, you and I um, have had a pretty good read on Nebraska in terms of covering the spread and, and what the outcome of the game would be. Now, you know, with Minnesota last week, you and I thought, you know, 12 points was way too many, 11, wherever it was at. And we were right there, except we thought they'd at least win the game, which obviously they didn't do. But with Purdue, we liked them covering and winning outright. Uh, Iowa, we liked them covering, probably not winning, but covering. So we had a pretty good read on them those past three weeks. But I'm on this one, my man. I have no true feel here because this is it for Nebraska, and this Rutgers team is, I, I just don't have that great a read on them either. I mean, you, they're coming off a win against Maryland in overtime, but, you know, you get stomped out by Penn State, who's had an atrocious year. They beat Purdue on the road, and you take Michigan to triple overtime, so I'm really torn with this Rutgers team, but at the same time, it's just crazy the fact 
that we're debating if Nebraska can win by a touchdown against Rutgers. I mean, it's gotten to that point with Nebraska, which is unfortunate. But I'm kind of with you here. I mean, it's a game Nebraska should win. But Rutgers is 5-3 and three against the number. And if it's at the number of 7, if I'm playing it, which I'm not, I would probably look toward taking the 7 with Rutgers under the key number of 7. I think it's just a complete stay away. Maybe you look for an under 54, something like that. But honestly, I think it's just a complete avoid this matchup type of game or maybe do with in-game because I don't have that much of a read either. Well, you got a redshirt freshman at left tackle and you've got a redshirt freshman at right tackle that's been struggling. That, that the you know, Ben Hart can be really good. He's just took his lumps this year. Uh, you have Hymas opting out. You've got weather concerns. You've got an active, aggressive Shiano defense that's going to get after Adrian or, or Luke. You, you don't know what you got at running back because Nebraska's not had the opportunity or the ability to develop somebody where's Mills and his health at because this is a game you get the hell in and out and run the football. (laughs) Nebraska has not shown the, the want to or ability to to, to make that a priority. So, yeah, I think you stay far, far away, right? Like uh, with like, like it's the plague. Or you take Rutgers and the points and hope Nebraska gets a, gets a win and you're, you're happy always. A Nebraska win if you like the big red, a Rutgers cover if you got some financial interest, and away we go. Uh, what happens with, uh, with uh, Ohio State and Northwestern? Do you have a feel at all on the Big Ten title game? I think... I think Northwestern will ugly this thing up enough because of their defense and and, and hang around like they did two years ago. Yeah, you know, it, it looks like consensus-wise it's about 20 and a half because the bookmakers don't want to get it to that number of 21 because then you'll see immediate buyback on Northwestern. So if you can get a 21, I guess if I'm playing anything here, I would take it in that sense with Northwestern. But it, it's kind of odd because you see a lower total of 57 with such a big spread. So it's kind of tough to assume Ohio State can cover that within that small margin of the total. Nevertheless, I think the best way to go about this, besides taking the points, kind of like you alluded to with Northwestern, just because of their defense and, and that they should be able to limit it enough, at least toward the beginning. Um, I think the, the best thing you could hope for would be an in-game opportunity here and hope that Ohio State gets off to a slow start. Maybe Northwestern gets lucky with an interception, a fumble recovery. They get something that puts them at advantage offensively in good territory, and they can at least get a field goal, maybe a touchdown, and, and really just hope Northwestern gets out to an early lead or Ohio State struggles out of the gate so then you could live bet Ohio State Let's be honest. The Buckeyes are going to win this game. It's just a matter of by how much. So I think taking advantage of the altered lines once the game starts could be in your favor. So hope for Northwestern to get out to the early lead and take advantage of Ohio State. But otherwise, pre-flop, I'd probably take the points with Northwestern. But this isn't a game that I'm going to be using as the best bet by any means. Danny Burks with us. Pride of Chicago. Burks best bets. Hail Varsity Radio. Danny with VEASAN Sports Network. His show Rush Hour uh, nightly at 6 Central on Sirius XM 204. Different affiliates across the country. Uh, Danny, a couple minutes here. Clemson, Notre Dame, is that number too high or just right for Clemson and minus 10 and a half? 
Yeah, the fact that you're getting the hook over the 10, I have a slight lean with Notre Dame there. And really, I think it's just because I know the offensive line is banged up for Notre Dame, but I think they should be able to keep it within it. And the biggest thing also is how about the garbage time points? I mean, Clemson's probably going to go out of the gates dominating this one. But Notre Dame will probably slowly trickle back into this one. So I would lean toward taking the 10 and the hook. More importantly, though, I like the over in this one. I snagged it at about 60 and a half, I believe, or 60, I guess. And that's where we're seeing it now. And we know it's soared over this one the last time they played. But also, I mean, look, Clemson's offense is going to be able to put up their points, which they need to. Notre Dame's defense has been great, but there's only so much you're going to be able to do against Clemson. And conversely, looking at Notre Dame, Ian Book has been so good at improvising and creating opportunities despite the injuries that offensive line has seen. So it might take a little bit, but I think Ian Book and that offense will get settled in at some point enough to get it over the total of 60. I really like that as a best bet, more so than taking the points. I'd still lean toward taking the points, but overall my favorite play is over 60. Danny, uh, let's move to the NFL. Got about a minute and a half or so. Any games you have circled? Some fun matchups, but but nothing make or break. Uh, I know Kansas City, New Orleans has got the two best records, but no breeze. But uh, what game are you honing in on? You like that Miami-New England game? Yeah, absolutely. That division game right there is big. I mean, the Patriots keeping what slim playoff hopes alive that they may have. The Dolphins are the same. They're 8-5, and five, but they're still very much alive to make the playoffs, and that's also another bet I have is Miami minus 110 to make the postseason, which I played a couple weeks back. So certainly I'm rooting for them in this game, and I also bet them on the money line just to be a little bit safer. Late minus 123, I think it was, on the money line for the Dolphins. And, and look, what it comes down to is this defense, which is leaps and bounds better than the Patriots that the Dolphins have that Brian Flores has implemented with this squad and the point differential I believe is about plus 87 or so or 81 something like that for Miami where it's quite different it's minus two for New England and New England's just so 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 inconsistent I know they're coming off a longer break here but Miami needs to win this game and I believe they do so I like the Dolphins winning this one outright the uh, the Tua and uh, Belichick matchups good uh, the Dolphins D did their job against Kansas City and they were still down by 20 that's how good the Chiefs' offense is. Yeah, but uh, Miami ended up uh, covering that. But but uh, that late field goal at the end. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. Find Danny on Twitter at Danny Burke Five. Danny, have a good weekend, man. You as well, my friend. I'll talk to you next week. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, good stuff from the Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets on the road tomorrow. We are at gate 25 ahead of Nebraska and Rutgers. Four to six, and then real red reaction here from the studios immediately following Nebraska and Rutgers. So uh, we'll be able to react to that. I kind of anticipate Nebraska going bowling, don't you? Or am I way off in that? I think if they're given an option to, to land a bowl game, Nebraska want to play some more, despite this thing being... Kind of a death march right now. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Scott Frost would 
turn down an opportunity to play another game. The question is going to be, do they get that bowl bid? Because there's still a lot of confusion with uh, with these teams dropping out because some bowl games still have their uh, their contracts set in stone with these other conferences saying we're going to take a school from this conference. So if Kansas State drops out, they're another team in the Big 12 going to take their spot, yada, 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 so on and so forth. But the, the most recent bowl projections I had had uh, Rutgers as the last team in the Big 10 to receive a, uh, a bowl bid. So I think it'd be good optics for Nebraska A to win that game and get a bowl bid. That would be the preferred option. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as a Husker fan, I'm not going to say no to another Nebraska football game. Now, you just wonder if, if Nebraska can flip it around and a test of will tomorrow is what it is. Cold weather and Noah's on the sideline. <laughs> did you see that play he got hurt in last week? Well yeah, the Maryland guy did everything except jump off the top rope with a steel chair. Yeah, gator roll. I mean it was it reminded me of that play that uh Against Colorado with Adrian two years right, ago. Yeah. We're down at the bottom of the pile. The dude twisted his knee. So Maryland will do two things. Apparently, they're they're going to gator roll you, and they'll also give you COVID. It's the double whammy. It is. So, uh, steak and a beer, are we doing that tomorrow night, or do you want to do one tonight? Oh, I haven't even looked at the NFL games really this weekend. Oh, I have. Because it's it's semifinals of my fantasy football league, but I haven't like thought about it with... like. I was just going through my fantasy lineup as well, and... I pretty much have garbage for a, a second running back. I have Nick Chubb as my starting back. Great choice, yeah. Yeah, no, we we kept him, but I've got Chubb and I've got Tariq Hill and I got Aaron Rodgers, so we're in a, we're on a bit of a run, which is nice. But I'm playing Mahomes, so I picked up Leonard Fournette. With well, and you got uh, Ronald Ronald Jones, yeah. Jonesy's out with the old COVID slash. Pledge pin. It is pinky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have too many bucks on my team, and they're not exactly scoring forty a game. <laughs> you see, the problem for my team this weekend is I'm—it's the semifinals. So now it's what, like, what's it's, your buy-in? Uh, was it thirty dollars? Okay, nothing, nothing too significant. It's a nice little one fifty, I think, at the end of the year if I win. So not not too much pressure. But going up against the the highest scoring team in the league this week, he's just stacked. He's got Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and Nick Chubb. And Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt, just because why not? The dude's just, if he's listening, Brady, you, you did a great job building your team this year. I, I applaud you, but I'm still going to beat you this weekend. My GM is Junior. He, he's Here's who we pick. Here, we had Metcalf. Is he on the hot seat now after this year? Or, no, or no, he's fine. We, we're, <laughs> we're in second place, but first, you know, that's steak knives. We need first place to win a percentage of the pot. So find us at Gate 25 tomorrow. 4 o'clock, Roadshow, ahead of Nebraska Rutgers with Hale Varsity. Thanks.